This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show, and boy, do we have a lot to cover. I feel like I've said that for like the last three podcasts, but it is ever, uh, it has never been more true than it is right now. Uh, so let's get right into it. Omar Mubaya joins us tonight. Omar, how you doing, pal? If we were getting paid, we would definitely be earning our paychecks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a lot. And so what we're going to do, we're going to start with the big story. And uh, we obviously spoke about it a little bit. If you follow us on Facebook, we did some uh, Facebook Live action. Um, but it was a little bit messy, a little bit loud, uh, and uh, for good reason. Uh, Miami FC uh, have claimed the biggest scalp in its, uh, in its franchise history, in, in its most important game. Uh, the Miami FC have defeated Orlando City Soccer Club uh, 3-1. Uh, I was there. Omar was there. Most of the day brigade was there uh, loudly and proudly cheering on the team. Um, Omar, let's dive right into it. It was 3-1, but it could have been even more. It was a an absolutely dominating performance by the Miami FC. Absolutely. I think the first 20 minutes, uh, nobody who was cheering for Miami FC was very happy. I think a lot of us were very concerned um, because it looked frenzied almost on Miami's side. Orlando was building a possession. Orlando uh, never really got a clear quality chance at net. However, they were controlling the field. They were making Miami chase the ball a bit from side to side. And and even when Miami tried to break out, Orlando's speed was definitely on display. Uh, I think it took a little while for guys like Robert uh, Robert Baggio Casira to um, kind of find his form in this game and kind of calm down and settle in. Um, and, you know, even Richie Ryan and even, you know, Hunter Freeman at some point kind of looked, you know, I don't want to say shell shock, but I, I think the scope of the game maybe kind of hit them a little bit. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. This game could have been 5-6-0. The first 20 minutes were quite testy. They weren't going Miami's way. Um, and in the 30th minute, Stefano Pino, uh, to steal a Mighty Ducks reference, uh, he, he takes the garbage out, right? He, gets a, <laughs> he finds a ball in front of the goal, and what does he do? He just puts the garbage away. Puts the ball in the back of the net. Uh, Miami takes the lead 1-0 with Michael Hood getting that assist. Uh, yeah, and, and when that first goal goes in, uh, you know, speaking from the perspective of, of the fan, as, as we like to do, um, you're like, okay, well, this is interesting. You know, you're not confident. You're not cocky. You know, we, we I guess Miami FC fans get a reputation of being a little bit cocky through this season, even in the last season, but... There was not a cockiness. It was more of a shock and like kind of appreciation that the game is on and that you figured, all right, we got out, we stuck our noses out in front. Uh, you know, we got ourselves out in front. Now the chase is on. And then things get interesting because Miami FC does not bunker. Miami FC does not turtle. Miami FC keeps up the same type of play that we had seen basically since like, like Omar identified the 20 or 25th minute where Miami FC had started to get on the front foot and started to be a little more comfortable and aggressive, that style of play never went away, and it led to a second goal. 
Yeah, it led to a second goal. Hunter Freeman uh, is able to get a ball on the right flank, and he sends a cross in and finds, guess who? Man of the match, Stefano Pino. Uh, his header is able to clear Josh Saunders' head um, and his really kind of outstretched arm into the top corner. And frantically, in 36 minutes, now Miami has a 2-0 lead. Um, at that point, you kind of saw uh, the wind get sucked out of the building, except for the one corner where Dade Brigade was sitting. Um, I did notice, notably, that there was a lot of Miami FC fans kind of scattered throughout, and a lot of people wearing, like, Miami FC jerseys and Orlando hats, or, like, Orlando hat. I'm sorry, uh, Orlando jerseys and Miami FC hats. It was kind of, like, one of those weird things where you're like, wait a second, like, <laughs> is this club, like, making the rounds up in Orlando? Like, what, huh? Because it's one of those things that I was honestly surprised to see. Um... And you know what? Even if these people came up from South Florida, it, it's a really deep, positive turnout because if you can get, you know, on average, Miami FC is averaging this season about 7,000 and change in attendance. But at least I would say there were 500 people in that stadium, including Dade Brigade, uh, that were Miami supporters. If you can get, let's say, we're close to 5% of your home attendance going to a road match, that's huge, man. And granted, again, it was only, a, you know, a three and a half, four hour drive at most. Um, it, it's still a big sign. So 36 minutes, Stefano Pino again gets a second goal of the night. Uh, the assist from Hunter Freeman. The wind is sucked out of the Orlando City Stadium. And at that point, you know, Miami fans left and right, they're going insane. Yeah, I, I want to come back and talk about the attendance uh, in a minute because I, I feel I play a particular uh, role in something that's been going around online in a second. So I'll, I'll address that in a bit. But I do want to talk about after that second goal goes in. After that second goal goes in, that's the moment where people are looking around and and kind of realizing that, oh my God, we're playing real well. This is going very well. Miami FC look very good. And they could potentially see out a 2-0 win. That's a possibility. They were not going to win 1-0. That was never, ever, ever going to happen. And the longer it stayed 1-0, the long, the more likely Orlando City was going to win. But that second goal forces Orlando City to shuffle the the the, you know, the, the chairs on the deck. Uh, it forces them to make some moves that I don't think they wanted to make. And Omar, you and I talked about it at halftime. There were definitely a couple moves made by uh, Orlando City that they were forced into making, that they did not want to make, but they had to make if they wanted to try to salvage that game. Yeah, absolutely. But were we talking about the substitutions uh, by Orlando City at halftime, um, which they did make a, a basically a 45, a 46-minute substitution. Um, a lot of things have been going around Reddit, uh, at least the Orlando Lions Reddit, and uh, really Twitter in general, um, notably with people responding to Mike Ryan of 790, etc. Um, Orlando didn't put out a C roster. Orlando didn't put out necessarily a weak roster. If you want to see weak rosters, go check out the rosters between the Portland and Seattle game in the Open Cup because there is one player that I can name and I can actually, if you showed me a lineup, I could tell you who that player is amongst 22 guys on the field. Orlando's roster, and again, you guys know that I'm Orla I am an Orlando fan. I support Orlando. You had Jonathan Spector playing, who's their, who has been a starting center back for that team since his arrival this season. Leo Pereira, who's been the starting center back uh, in the last few matches for Orlando, uh, Orlando City as well. PC, he's kind of being used as that you know fringe USL MLS player. Rafael Ramos, another guy who's a notable. He has started games for Orlando. Nocherino played. Uh, Servando Carrasco, Mr. Alex Morgan played. Haji Berry, which we knew he was going to be the striker up top. Uh, given Kyle Lahren's, uh 
appearance for the Canadian national team and Giles Barnes. I'm missing a couple players out because those guys aren't the notable players um, that that are really name worthy for Orlando. But realistically speaking, nine of the guys that lined up for Orlando on Wednesday night were guys that have seen MLS action. So, you know, a lot has been made about their starting 11 not being capable. I'm sorry, that starting 11 is capable. That starting 11 can go out and get points in an MLS game. Uh, but that being said, 45th minute, you saw a change tactically at defense. Uh, Pierre De Silva comes out for Orlando and Tommy Redding comes in. Tommy Redding, the USA under 20 national, uh, who did make a couple appearances for the USA team at the under 20 World Cup. Um, and just not even, it didn't even seem shortly after that, after halftime. Guess who? Guess his third goal of the night and completes the hat trick. <laughs> uh, the Brazilian magician, Stefano Pino. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really something. It was really something to see this uh, this guy. He's had a very good season, very good season for Miami FC. But just it was like the ball was attracted to him uh, throughout this game. It was really just an impressive display. And, and credit to you know, the, the passes that got to him. You know, I think there was one that was kind of, a like you said, a bit of a, a cleanup act. But, man, it was... He put the ball in the back of the net, and that's all you can ask for. And no, he yeah. got... He got a uh, a um, open cup hat trick, which is a, an impressive achievement. Um, if I recall, I should look this up now. But uh, <laughs> I believe the last the last um, Brazilian to score a hat trick in um, open cup competition was also playing for the original Miami FC. I believe back in two thousand seven. Again, I got to look that up. But it was very interesting that the last Brazilian player to get a hat, oh, hat trick in open cup also played for a Miami FC, not the Miami FC that we have now, but the team that became the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. And yeah, once you go up 3-0, then the expectations get ratcheted up. If if Miami FC had blown a two-goal lead, gone to extra time and lost, it would have hurt. But to go up 3-0 and come back and blow that and give up that game, that would have been absolutely heartbreaking. So there was a bit of a there was a bit on both sides, like, oh, my God, we're up 3-0. I'm pretty sure we're going to win, but, man, we better not lose because that's really going to suck. So Yeah, that's really going to be terrible. It's going to be thing... the worst-case scenario. Oh, yeah, that, w- that would have been horrendous, um, yeah. and it, it would have made – it almost would have validated the mockery that some MLS fans have toward NASL, in my opinion. Yes. Um, that moving forward, one thing I did want to say at halftime was that the one thing we saw the night before in the Open Cup was Christos – took the early lead, right? The, the notable underdog against D.C. United. Oklahoma City Energy took the early lead against the Colorado Rapids. So all of a sudden, now you have another technically underdog going into this match, 4-1 to one underdogs on the betting line, um, going ahead and, and, and taking not a 1-0 lead, a 2-0 lead in the halftime. So that was pretty surprising. He did the third 10 minutes later on an assist from Robert Casero, who finds a wide-open Stefano Pino in the box, who has, I mean, 85% of the net to shoot out wide open. Um, it was beautiful, and it was nice to get a goal right in front of me. I was sitting right behind that uh, <laughs> that net, and if you look at some of the video we tweeted out, behind the net, the only three people you see standing are me, a buddy of mine, and a guy that uh, is a Phoenix Rising fan who was, I happened to be in town and wanted to get an open cup match, who somebody gave a scarf to. Uh, hey, I saw that guy. Session. He actually came up to me upstairs. We, I was in the concourse <laughs> with him, and I arranged him getting the scarf from Drew. Good for um, you, man. Well done. Yeah, that's funny. He was a really good guy. He was just in, I think he was in to Tampa for business, and there was an open yes. cup match, and he was interested, and 
if for some reason that dude is out there listening to this, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. This is good fella. This is where I failed. I didn't mention the podcast to him because <laughs> so anyway. Um, so that being said, Miami's up three zero, and at this point, it, it's really you have you're in two minds. One is just holy crap, this is actually happening, and the second one is like holy crap, this what I think might happen better not happen. Um, so. Miami's chugging along. All of a sudden, you start seeing some of the defensive substitutions that Miami's made. Uh, however, the defensive substitutions do not happen until, until Gaka, the captain for Orlando City, who Jason Christ said that he did not want to play in this match, enters the field in the 63rd minute uh, and begins to, uh, in, in a sense, control the game for Orlando. Orlando really dominated possession, especially in the last 25 minutes of the match, uh, which was something a little scary. Um, ne- uh, sorry, Nesta go ahead and, and he counters uh, the Kaká entrance by adding Gabriel Farfán to the back line, essentially establishing a back five uh, and bringing out the game changer, Kesselblanco Dylan Mares. Um, Orlando makes their last substitution, Notably, right after removing, well, like-for-like substitution, removing Haji Berry for Carlos Rivas, a guy who Matt and I discussed that would possibly enter the field. The only person that I really thought Orlando would bring in, and they didn't, was Christian Iwita. Uh, another, he's essentially an Ariel Martinez for Orlando. He's a game changer, a super sub um, that they like to go to frequently. And in the 77th minute, again, not a lot of action, but Orlando controlling the play, getting shots towards the Miami FC net. I think Nesto right goes ahead and rightly takes out uh, Poku, puts in Blake Smith, putting in a sixth defender uh, into that back line, trying to say, like, we're Hey, when you're up 3-0, you can afford it. Hey, man, we were Mourinho parking the busting, and I have no problem with that <laughs> at that point in time. I have zero problems with it, and neither do you. Um, but Orlando City do get their first goal is it do or does does get does get their first goal um in the 79th minute on a corner kind of a questionable earned corner there kaka kind of you know laid into the ref a little bit and um indeed orlando was uh awarded a corner um carlos rivas the recent substitution puts in a decent ball and kyle barnes just kind of rises above everybody else in the miami side and gets a really bad angle goal uh off a header and now all of a sudden, Orlando's on the board with 11 minutes left. There is life in the stadium. The wall is going crazy. It's kind of one of those situations where you're like, ah, oh, crap. These next 11 minutes are going to feel like half hour. Yeah, it was definitely... Um, that first goal goes in, and, and there was a sort of inevitability to it because Orlando had really had the, the best of things for the previous 10 minutes. And they're Orlando, and they're MLS, and we're not. And so you would assume that one was going to go in. The, the big fear on my part, and I imagine most people's part, was don't let in a quick second. That, yeah, obviously, you don't want to let in the second goal because that means, duh. Like, yes, I know, duh. But there is that kind of soccer psychology that talks, you know, 2-0 is the most dangerous lead in the sport. That, you know, those certain things that, you know, we all know by heart, those those kind of unwritten rules about, like, how the game is supposed to go. And it's like, okay, you can give up one if you have a lead like that. Don't give up a quick second because if you give up a quick second, you now have to reshuffle. You have to change strategies. You have to adjust everything. And usually in that shuffle, you wind up losing. So you just, you're like, just ride out the storm, ride out the surge. Okay, they got their goal. Don't give up any more corners, which there were more than a few corners still left to ride out. But it was very, very nervy. And I will say, um, there was some talk, you know, among us that, oh, Orlando City wasn't that impressive and all that, wherever their fans, and it's Open Cup. It's, I'm not going to harp on that. But when that goal finally went in, 
the the wall turned on and it was not yes. it, it was not fully stocked you know it was not fully <laughs> you know it was not packed to the brim but when that first goal go went in and and really on those those kind of four the three or four corners before the goal you could start to hear them activate a bit and once that first goal went in you heard it fully as loud as they could possibly be and and that was pretty impressive um but Miami FC really batting down the hatches and rode the rest of the game out. Yes, they rode the rest of the game out. Uh, a couple times I found myself uh, on my feet yelling, uh, honestly, as loud as I could at guys like Renella, guys like Casira, to just put the ball in the corner, waste oh. time, earn a corner. And, and they were just taking these passes, like these nifty passes trying to create, I don't know if it was a fourth goal or what the, the mindset was, but one notable thing was that Miami FC did not ice the game out as well as I would have liked to have seen them do because they didn't like try to get the ball in the corner and kind of hold it there earn a corner all right we're good we're gonna go short again something you see a lot in international soccer Miami didn't do that Miami played this much like a FIFA match in the last five minutes where it's like I'm gonna yes. go down the I'm gonna go down the field and try to score another goal oh look at this pass oh I got poked away all right everybody run back like <laughs> it, it was kind of one of those situations where you're just like oh Jesus guys just please just put it in the corner let's let's ice this game out and the last six minutes felt like 20 minutes it was just brutal i'm hunched over i'm just like come on let's let's see this out let's not get crazy here orlando started to pepper the back line and, and they started to get some decent chances and 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 give it credit um you know miami sees the game out 5838 in attendance in orlando city um we'll talk about that in just a second and um and just to match that that miami outworked out hustled outclassed orlando um, but it wasn't without a little bit of fright. Uh, yeah, it was definitely, I, I, I actually had this conversation with my wife, um, after the game, um, she wasn't able to travel up with the, uh, the day brigade. Um, but basically she had kind of been away from the game itself and then kind of checked up on it at the end, assuming, you know, that we had a shot, but it was, it was maybe a, a, a bit of a shot in the dark. Uh, and basically her, when, when she called and, and we started talking, she was like, what the hell happened? What happened? How did we win three, <laughs> one? What, what went on? And I think there are some of us and I'll include myself sometimes that are, even though Miami FC are top of the table in the NASL by uh, seven points, I believe. Yes. Um, yes. yeah, seven points, top of the table. Uh, even though they have scored the most goals in the league and conceded the fewest goals in the league. Even though we had seen this quality from this team before, I think we're still a little bit scarred from the spring season last year, where we're just right. not used to this team being like this. And I, Omar, I mean, we, Omar, we talked at halftime, and it's still shocking. It's shocking, but it's something we have to adjust to as a new normal, that that this team went on that field, traveled, got on a bus, uh, and, you know, they were up there for a couple of days, but, they, you know, they traveled to Orlando and again, was it the A plus team? No, but it was not a JV squad. Please understand right. that it was not a JV squad. Got on the field with MLS caliber competition and put them to uh, to borrow from Michael LaHood's quote, put them to the sword. Absolutely, <laughs> put them to the sword. It was not close. Oh, it was not a tight match again there was there some tightness towards the end yeah but that's that's what happens when you go up three nil and you want to see out the win the other team's going to get a little more more aggressive you're going to get a little more defensive and they're going to have some opportunity there 
do not be confused. Do not understate it. Miami FC traveled to an MLS opponent and dominated them. Dominated in an them. MLS stadium, not not in a soccer complex. Yes, you know where the training facilities are. It was at the Orlando City, and and very well. I'm very happy that Orlando did choose to play the game there and not at Camping World. Like it was very easily they could have chosen to do so, or at another soccer complex. Um, in the city of Orlando. Um, props again. Thank you so much again. I, I, I sent a heartfelt message to the mainland, and I hope they didn't, um, you know, see that message as condescending or any or, or in any other slight. It's a beautiful stadium, a beautiful home. You can tell that the area around the stadium is just going to be, you know, an absolute wonderful hospitality section uh, for a city that's already built on hospitality. And and you know, I was impressed. I was absolutely impressed from the second I, I saw the stadium for the first time uh, early in the afternoon um, and then you know entering the stadium later that evening and 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 kind of gathering my gears and and my bearings I should say and and taking a look around I was uh, wonderfully impressed with their facility and and I am I can't be happier for that club uh, for their new home I'll, I'll add on that too um, again uh, Omar went up separately but I was with the larger Dade Brigade contingent, and I, I I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but I know I spoke to a lot of people because we had a couple hours before kickoff. Um, it was a really nice venue, and and Orlando City did a as a club did a tremendous job of kind of escorting us around as a group, and and we had a spot the yard bar next to the stadium, which was a delight. It's just this little like vacant lot that has like a little building on it, and it's set up as a bar, <laughs> and it has like a. Uh, kind of beer pong, but with giant garbage cans. And you try to kick the soccer ball in. It has bean bag uh, or cornhole, whatever you want to call it. Uh, good drinks at good prices, um, and they were very gracious. You know, we were Miami, and they're more Orlando, but they were very gracious about it. We had a an escort to and from um, into the stadium. was very smooth. Uh, we got our our flags in. We got our 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 people in very smoothly, um, and it's it it was top class. And I can only imagine on big game days, you know, NYCFC versus Orlando, you know, what what that would be like as a as a visiting fan to have that kind of attentiveness to detail. Um, they did a very good job. I have no, I have nothing bad to say about Orlando City after our experience. It is a very nice stadium, and and they should be proud of that team and 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 what they've been able to build. Um, and I hope if we play them again, we beat them down the same way. But that doesn't change the fact that they did a good job hosting us. Yeah, um, absolutely. So. Um, yeah, it was it was a hell of a time. It was a really exciting moment for this team, and we're going to talk more about what's to come with uh, Atlanta um, because that is the next Open Cup date on the schedule a week from uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, Atlanta United, an MLS team, comes to Miami-Dade County, the first MLS squad to play in Miami-Dade County, I, I have to think, since 2001. Since the Fusion. Since the Fusion. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, it's, it's, this is big time. But we're going to talk about it it's more. It's going to be big. We're going to talk about it more in a second. We're going to talk about Jacksonville now, yes? Yes, let's move on to Jacksonville. Um, listen, I arrived at the game early for Jacksonville. Saw, saw a bunch of you guys, so it was nice to, to catch up with everybody before I took a seat in the press box. And I have to say, I have not... I have not ever seen a more relaxed kind of environment and atmosphere up in that area in quite some time. In the half a season and, and change that I've been sitting up there covering games and providing you guys with minute-by-minute minute updates of the game, um, 
I, I haven't. I, I, I swear, man. It was one of those situations where it's like, the game was starting. Ah, uh, just hand out the pina coladas and the daiquiris, man. Because everybody's kind of like on this high. Like, we beat Orlando. Like, we're good to go. Like, you know, the world is pretty good. And, and I have to admit, before the game started, uh, I spoke with Drew. And I'm like, look, man. Like, I'm, I think we're loose tonight. Like, Jacksonville, formidable opponent. Uh, took us to a 1-0 uh, last game. You know, where we were able to beat them in Jacksonville. But... I, there has to be a letdown at some point. Miami on an 11 game unbeaten run. I just I don't see it. Uh, what happens? 15th minute. Guess who? Yeah, it's uh, it was pretty special. <laughs> pretty special. I'm like waiting that, for you to say guess who? Like who? Oh, Stephen yeah, that hey. this guy scored four four goals in a four row goals, for this team. 105 minutes. Yeah. yeah, four goals in 105 minutes. Three of them against an MLS side. It's just like, man, he, he can't do no wrong right now, can he? It really seemed like he was just never going to stop scoring. Um, it was, yeah, Stefano Pino again gets in and gives Miami FC the lead. And again, we will, uh, o- Omar w- was on this train, I was on this train. Uh, I think everyone was kind of on this train that we were expecting a letdown. Um, again, we're not used to this team being this good. We're not used to this team doing this. And so you figure strong 11 going to Orlando, getting this dominant win. And then Nesta comes back with basically, for the most part, a very similar team. You're figuring, okay, it's it's not going to be our night. We got our big win for the week. Uh, we got a win on the weekend, the weekend before. We got a weekend win against uh, MLS competition. Obviously, due for a letdown. Of course. Right. Who would complain? Who in their right mind would complain if we were to go out and lose 1-0 against Jacksonville at home? No one. No it was a, it was the perfect like get out of jail free card. You know, again, you don't want everyone to tell the team, "Hey fellas, go out there and lose." But if they had, no one would have given them any trouble. But then you come out and and again from the from the jump, I shouldn't say again cuz in Orlando they weren't like this from the beginning, but from the beginning of the game, it was Miami FC's game from minute 1. Yeah, it was absolutely Miami FC's game for minute one. Miami FC controlled the possession. They were trying to find the avenues in against Jacksonville. And Jacksonville, give them credit, they were doing a pretty decent job of kind of denying that final touch and that final ball um, to put Miami up for an even earlier lead. Um, not even 12 minutes later, man of the match, Vinny, my cousin Vinny, your cousin Vinny, <laughs> all our cousins Vinny, Enzo Ranella, uh gets a, a beautiful pass from Dylan Maris, and he absolutely blasts one home top corner, beats the keeper short side and puts it in the back of the net uh, to take a 2-0 lead and a 2-0 lead in the half. One thing that's not really noted is the play was created by Richie Ryan. Richie Ryan found Dylan Maris with an excellent pass on the left-hand side, and then Dylan Maris kind of left it for Ranella to just blast home. Um, so that was a, a beautiful touch. And Miami taking a 2-0 lead. At that point, let me tell you something. It was one of those situations where it's like, you you kind of think like, wait a second. Like, are we world beaters here? Like, is this what we're doing? <laughs> like, 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 what's going Is this what it feels like in like a Real Madrid press box or like a Barcelona press box where like you kind of sit there and you kind of look around and you're like, oh, we're up 2-0. No, this is normal. Okay. Hey, what do you want? Uh, like, grab me a Coke. Okay, cool. Like, it was one of those weird situations where it's like, I'm I'm watching the game, and I'm watching the action, and it was, I was kind of bored. Yeah, it was, I, I, 
I was, as I occasionally am, I uh, I guess I've mentioned it here before, but I'm a part-time employee of the Miami Herald as an online producer, and occasionally oh, on Saturday oh, nights... Oh, big guy. <laughs> oh, big shot. Occasionally oh. on Saturday nights, I get called... I get called in uh, to work an online producing shift, and um, that's where I was Saturday night. But I, I had the broadcast pulled up on ESPN3. I had uh, Bruce and Juan in my ears. Uh, I had the, the video up on my screen. I got a dual screen setup, so it's real nice. I got my work on one screen and the game on the other. And, um, yeah, it was just – it was shocking. It was it, – it, I don't want to say it was more shocking than Orlando because, no, it wasn't. But right. it was the second most shocking thing of the entire season. I would have to say, because again, you're expecting, if not a laydown, then a real hard fight to just get a point that it was going to be right. a real upstream swimming, but it was like a hot knife through butter. Again, it was four nil. We'll, we'll get to the second half, but it, I mean, the end of the game is four nil and it could have been more like in the, the, the Renella finish was, you know, that was one of those that it looked a lot easier than it actually was. Um, that looked like a striker just putting a hit on the ball and smashing it in. That angle was so difficult. It was so difficult, and he just, it, there was no hesitation. You could see what he was doing as it was developing, and it just yeah. almost blasted through the roof of the net. It was just so, it was inspired. It, it was just, in the all the play Saturday night, considering what the team had done that week, it was just inspiring. You know, you felt like running through a wall after watching that because if those guys can go through that and and somehow, again, in, in a matchup of two teams that if they don't have the best chance of winning the spring season, then Miami's one and Jacksonville's three. You know, like you, you've got some teams towards the top, but Jacksonville has a good a shot as anyone to knock Miami FC off if anyone is going to catch them. Jacksonville is, is a top-tier opponent, and they just got throttled. Yeah, it wasn't even close. It was one of those games where, like, you sit there and you're like, this is what, like, an open cup match is supposed to look like when you play one of those, like, lower division sides. You're just like, all right, you know, the quality's not up to par. I don't know what it was. That's not a Jacksonville team that I can remember playing a couple weeks ago. Um, but, uh, you know, hey, who's to say? Maybe they had a rough trip down. And, and you know what? Shout out um, to uh, the members of Section 904 uh, for making the drive down to Miami and uh, supporting their Supporting their players. It's been nice to see because Dade Brigade made two trips now in the last month. Uh, one to Jacksonville and then one, the, obviously, the trip we just talked about to Orlando. Um, the Tampa Ray, uh, the Ralphs Mob sent a few guys down um, for the Open Cup match against Miami FC. And now Section 904 has walked in FIU Stadium and supported their fans as well. So it's kind of a really nice thing to see that the Florida supporters groups are starting to make more of a round or you know they're they're definitely traveling at a, at a at a higher clip and it's nice though because a lot of the times you don't get those rivalries anymore notably with uh the tampa bay rowdies some quick halftime stats um miami three shots on target jacksonville didn't have one miami controlled 58 percent of the possession passing at 93 percent accuracy a few times in the second half on twitter i was saying listen i'm sorry i'm not giving you minute by minute updates anymore there's just literally nothing going on like miami's Holding the ball, and I mean, what do you want me to tell you? Like, Mason Trafford's hair blew in the wind. Like, I, I can't do that, all right? So, uh, really, the action didn't pick up until roughly, I would say, the 75th minute mark. You saw Miami taking a few more chances, and, and the spark plug uh, for Miami, as uh, Nestle will say himself, and you hear in a few minutes, um, was Ariel Martinez. Ariel Martinez replaces Stefano Pino for the second Miami sub of the night. 
uh, giving Stefano Pino a well-deserved time off uh, last 20 minutes or so. And Ariel Martinez automatically starts taking chances and shots at net. And Ariel Martinez gets Vinny, gets Enzo again uh, to get his second goal of the night there uh, and lifting Miami 3-0. Ariel Martinez, though, would not be denied a chance at goal. He took a couple extra shots in the 85th minute, doing what he does that, doing what he does best, just blasting one from outside the box into like the low corner. It just seems like that's the Ariel Martinez shot that we've come uh, to love here. And Ariel Martinez seals the deal for Miami, lifting it 4 0. Uh, Vinny Ranella on the assist there um, and kind of completing the, the 4 0 beatdown of the Jacksonville Armada. Yeah, it was a uh, really impressive play, and again, I feel like it, we've become a bit of a broken record the last couple weeks, but Vincenzo Ranella, Enzo Ranella, Vinny, whatever you want to call him, Con Formaggio, Avec Formage, take your pick. Avec Formage. <laughs> he has been uh, a revelation, and it, it's hard to say, you know, he had a very good season last year, I feel, coming on, you know, kind of a mid-season contributor, um, but... Man alive, he he is leading the NASL in both goals and assists. Like that's all you need to know. Like th- he has really come on as kind of a force, an offensive force for this team. And 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 really, it was something that was kind of lacking last year, where you 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 really probably the offensive force is Ariel Martinez, and and, and um, you know he was really capable of kind of come like you said the spark plug, like really kind of firing things up. But it's it's a little bit difficult for him, I would say, even now to get in 90 minutes and make that kind of full contribution. But Vincenzo Ranella has just been, really since the the word go, uh, this spring season, he has just been setting the tone. And, and Pino, deservedly, if you're going to give, you know, like a Miami FC man of the week, it's Stefano Pino. But, but oh, yeah. uh, Vincenzo Ranella, is just, especially in the NASL this season, has just been a freaking rock. Yeah, absolutely. Vincenzo Ranello with that second goal of the night now leads Miami FC in goals uh, across NASL competition only. So Vincenzo Ranello, now your leader for Miami FC in terms of goals and NASL play. Well, he's leading um, Miami FC, but he's also now, leading the league. He leads the NASL. Yes, in goals. he's and assists. Right, he's uh, he's leading he's leading the Golden Boot charge. He also he is also leading the assists. So I mean, he he's going for the. Uh, the hard trophy here, man. He's going for it. If there was a hard trophy in hockey, uh, hockey, soccer, sorry. Um, before we break away uh, to some of the press conferences, um, I do want to go ahead and, and kind of round out the week that was NASL. NASL play began on Friday. Puerto Rico took an early lead against the Cosmos, and the Cosmos having none of that coming back, winning the game 42 Boy, if, um, at MCU. For such a great week, uh, that my, was the one black mark because I really looked like, yeah. man, that was really good going there for about 40 minutes, you know, getting up. Yep, oh, yep. Man, that was such a bummer. That was such a bummer because. It was a bummer. Puerto Rico got undisciplined. Uh, we're not going to game recap Puerto Rico, but they got undisciplined, took a shit ton of cards, and then got uh, the notorious red card and uh, kind of, you know, spurred out of control there. We, it would really have changed our tone of conversation going into this game if um, if if yes. the Cosmos had yes. wound up losing. Man, Saturday would be even bigger than what it is now, and it's already huge, but Saturday could have been even bigger. Yes. 
Uh, San Francisco Deltas take care of Edmonton at home, uh, sending the fans home from Kaiser Stadium with a 1-0 lead. And the Indy 11 get their first one of the season, beating North Carolina FC. So props out to Indy and shouts out to Bloody Shambles for finally getting to enjoy a win this season. Uh, looking at the table right now, Miami FC leading the table. Uh, 27 points, plus 13 goal differential, which is just insane considering everybody else is in single digits. Uh, in second place, uh, you have San Francisco and New York, both at 20 points. Jacksonville bringing in the fourth place position at 19. Uh, Miami's magic number to clinch the spring season is now in effect. Miami's magic number is four. Four points will secure, uh, will basically secure the NESL spring championship for Miami. Um, it can be three points. However, San Francisco, uh, New York, and Jacksonville would all have to lose. But Miami does play New York City uh, next week in NESL play. So there is a possibility that they can clinch. However, again, San Francisco, New York, and Jacksonville would all have to lose, not even gain a point, uh, in order for that to happen. Yeah, so it's it's kind of hard to believe that we're at this point where um, you know, we're talking about clinching scenarios. But the last... I mean, the last month, really, the last month of play, Miami FC, you know, you look at it kind of in, in four stages. The spring season last year, disaster. Just the team trying to figure itself out and get established. The fall season last year, you started to see the kind of the birth. It was painful. It was awkward. It was messy. It wasn't exactly what we wanted it to be, but you could start to see the, the birth of what this team was going to look like. The first half of this spring season, you it was, you know, like the adolescence where you're like, all right, you're starting to figure it out. <laughs> it's starting to look right. There's still some awkward points. You know, we still have some acne, but it's 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 looking better. And this last month, this team has looked as good as they have ever looked. And it's it, it would be hard to argue that has there been a team in, in the recent history of the NASL who's looked better than them over the last month where they just – they are – throttling everyone putting their putting their path they're throttling mls teams they're throttling teams competing for the spring season it's just it's it's been beat down city yep absolutely before we look into the cosmos quickly uh, i do want to go and reach into the mailbag we do actually have correspondence uh from not only twitter but from reddit as well um so again we're going to try to do this on a weekly basis now where we do ask you guys for input questions that we can answer um the bj fantasy podcast these are supporters if i'm not mistaken of the san francisco deltas uh they wrote to us on twitter and said miami handled the strong orlando side but they've been poor and rotated in some reserves atlanta played their two most lethal attackers against charleston does miami's defense have what it takes to stop the most potent attack in mls if atlanta played their first choice team matt if i will I'll take this sure. first question um if you gave me the option of playing atlanta or charleston and i know matt feels the same way and i know drew feels the same way i'm playing atlanta nine days out yes. of the week um and the reason I say that is because Charleston is the more well-rounded team, in my opinion, of those two. I believe Atlanta has some deficiencies in defense, and they have some deficiencies in the midfield. Yes, Atlanta's attack is potent. Atlanta is an attacking juggernaut. If you're going to bet on the game next week, uh, I would be betting the over. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable betting over three and a half goals also, because it, it may end up being a shootout. So if I had my choice... Even if Atlanta had to play their entire starting, you know, A11, which I do believe that they will do, um, I would rather play Atlanta over uh, Charleston. And I do think Miami's defense has what it takes because 
nothing has shown proven otherwise. I thought Haji Berry would cause a problem, and he didn't. I thought Gal Barnes would cause a problem, and he didn't. So at this point, I'm going to take it at face value and say I think Mason Trafford and, and Red Bernstein and, and Kasira and Freeman are, are good enough to handle this MLS attack. Yeah, you know, you look at... Um... You look at the standings of the MLS Eastern Division, and Orlando City are in fourth to 25 points. They've scored 19. They've had 21 against. So when they lose, they lose big. But when they win, which they do more often than not, they, it's a close one. Atlanta, 31-4, 23 against, which tells me a couple of things. First off, like you said, that very potent attack, and that's what they're known for. But what it also shows is that they're, they're giving up about the same amount of goals as Orlando, scoring a lot more and still losing. Uh, they're not getting as many points. Uh, uh, honestly, out of a, they've got a way better goal differential than Orlando, yet they're still behind four points on the table. And, and I look at that and I question composure. I question organization. I, I question you know some of the tactical decisions that may be uh, being made uh, by management. Uh, you know, I, I know Atlanta has uh, um, you know a very competent manager, but I'm saying maybe in terms of uh, translating it onto the field. That I wonder if you know when it's a new team, is that gel there? Are they gelling? Are they are they where they where they need to be? Now, will I look like an idiot? Will Omar look like an idiot if it comes out and Atlanta wins three nil or four nil? Of course, but like Omar said, I don't see that happening. Miami FC have been stout defensively. Honestly, the worst game they've had defensively was against the fourth division side South Florida Surf. I would say it, the whole season. Right. That was the that was the worst yeah. Miami FC have looked against that fourth division squad, and it was because quite clearly they under, underestimated them. Atlanta's not getting underestimated. Yes. That's not going to happen. Orlando no. didn't get underestimated. You know, th- this this is a team that that has confidence in itself and rises to the competition, doesn't fall from it. Um, you know, Absolutely. as long as they have it, they're 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 kind of head screwed on right, and they're looking at the competition squarely. Which is what you can't look at Atlanta anything else other than they're solid and they're ready to play. You can't look at Orlando anything else than they're solid and they're ready to play. Um, I don't see any reason why Miami FC don't have a legitimate chance. Now, again, I'll say the same thing I said before Orlando, and, and I kind of was made to look the fool because I said, "Oh, I don't know, we have a shot," and then we came out and we're very dominant. I will say the same thing about Atlanta. I think we have a shot. Doesn't mean I, I don't. I don't think I don't think either side has more than a fifty-five percent chance of winning one way or the other. I would probably tip Atlanta fifty-four forty-six, but it's going to be a close match. And there's home field advantage to be had, and there's a kind of fixture, uh, some clogging of fixtures on the part of Atlanta. Um, it could go either way. It could go either way. And I think that Miami FC has the firepower to match that firepower. And defensively, they're they've been the most stout defensive team in the NASL. Absolutely. Um, and going on to the Twitter responses that we got just now, um, Juanqui Vaidaris at Juanqui624 has sent us two questions. One, who should we sign for the champions next season, the CONCACAF Champions League? And I'm not talking about that until we get there. I think Matt would agree with that. And second, who do we want at the Bar- who do we want in the Club World Cup final, Barca or Madrid? Uh, if we get there, I would say either. <laughs> and then we can bring the reporter from the Chicago Fire who asked uh, Schweinsteiger about, you know, whether who is go- can he take the team? Yeah. To um, so we'll, we'll, get, we'll let that we'll give that guy an honorary scarf. So that'd be good to go. Um, we didn't get to the we didn't get to the audio of the press conference after the game before I dipped into the mailbag. So sorry about that. So we're gonna we're gonna step back for just a second 
and let's turn it over to the first interview of the night, Ariel Martinez. No, es que, es que estamos muy compartidos. Primero, somos un equipo y, y no solamente los once son los que, los que, los que, los que tienen que estar concentrados, sino los, los del banco, porque son los que tienen que dar la cara y hacer un determinado momento de, de defender o de buscar un gol para que el equipo esté, esté adelante. Sí, como que no, es una semana bastante buena, bastante buena porque tres partidos, como aquel que dice, nueve puntos. Eh, pero estamos muy contentos porque venimos trabajando y, y es lo que queremos, ¿no? Eh, sernos fuertes en la liga, sernos, tener un nombre. Me acuerdo que el año pasado nos decían cuándo Miami iba a ganar, ¿no? Bueno, ya estamos en esta temporada y, y estamos buscando lo que queremos, que, que es estar en las finales. Ahora viene un partido contra el Atlanta United, otro partido contra el New York Cosmos. Hay muchos ojos en este equipo. ¿Cómo se siente tener tantos ojos eh, a comparación al último año? No, estamos tranquilos. No, no, no estamos mirando alrededor. Estamos mirando entre nosotros mismos, ¿no? En lo que tenemos que hacer día a día. Nos reunimos de lunes, de martes a, a domingo, entrenamos y, y planeamos todo lo que tenemos que hacer el sábado en el partido, ya sea el de liga o el de miércoles o martes de Copa. Yo soy de aquellos jugadores que dicen que el problema es ganar. Eh, hay veces que se juega mal, como, como en el motor, que no tuvimos un buen partido, pero se ganó, se ganó nuestro punto. ¿no? Y hoy en Miami, eh, eh, para mí, como decimos en Cuba, dimos baile. Dimos un baile allá a subir que, 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 que estamos contentos nosotros, la afición, y, y creo que, que se lo merece Miami. Sí, desde, desde que empezamos, creo que desde que empezamos el torneo fuimos a jugar a Carolina. Eh, me recuerdo muy bien ese partido, uno a uno quedamos y el equipo, el primer partido de temporada, ¿no? Y después fuimos a Cosmo, fuimos a Nueva York y ganamos contundentemente también 3-0. Eh, lo que teníamos alto y baja y eso fuimos puliéndolo de, a medida de, de que fuimos avanzando en el campeonato y ahora se ve un equipo bastante compacto, es decir, eh, somos el equipo de derrotar. Well, that was Ariel Martinez and again, most of these conversations are going to be in Spanish with the exception of the last two. Um, listen, let's talk to the man of the week right now. Let's gather his thoughts on what happened um, and we're going to turn it over to Stefano Pino. Sí, muy feliz, fue una, una gran semana para mí. Encontrei um ídolo, que era o Ronaldinho, fiz os três gols contra o Orlando, primeiro da história do Miami FC, isso para mim está sendo uma ótima semana. E que conselho você deu Ronaldinho quando vem ao futebol do jogo? Sim, para, para continuar é, perseguindo seu sonho, que as coisas vão, vão acontecendo, para nunca desistir, sempre, sempre seguir. Então, a exigência dos partidos, você em algum momento por sua cabeça, porque hoje sai temprano, te dá, talvez, a oportunidade de descansar um pouco. Ah, hoy estaba muerto. <risa> estaba, estaba cansado, pero el jugador quería jugar siempre, ¿no? Yo quería jugar, quería ayudar y fui feliz de hacer un gol. Pero ahora estamos teniendo una semana grande para, para la frente y podemos descansar un poco más. Habla un poquito de la jugada del gol. 
Sim, foi o Enzo. <risos> Enzo me deu um presente, não? me deu um regalito. Estava próximo, pensei que o Enzo ia marcar, mas sobrou ali para mim. Você tem que estar atento sempre e poder marcar. Yeah, I was lucky. I scored two in, with strikers, and now well, with Miami, I only score more, more goals and more hat tricks to help the team. Don't forget, before the before the season started, you told me you would be better than your 16 from two years ago. Yeah, I hope, I will. You kind of catch up to Enzo first. <laughs> yes, okay. I know. Sim, é, é um novo desafio estar cá é, e Miami está bem, está em primeiro posto, então quero, quero ajudar a equipe. Tenho o desejo de ser campeão nesta liga e creio que está, está perto, podemos seguir, estamos no topo, então tem que conseguir assim para, para sair campeão. All right. And that's the thought of Stefano Pino. You kind of got some like Galician almost there, some Portuguese mixed in with some Spanish. So we were hope you were able to follow along. Um, and guess what? Gaffer was up next. Um, notably, this team, 12-game un unbeaten streak at this point after the Jacksonville game. So what does Nesta think about his team's performance? I guess you could say in the last three months at this point, right? Let's hear from the Gaffer. Well, uh, if you win... Uh... You want to win. If you lose, uh, you lose. Uh, for me, it was important uh, win four or five uh, games in a row for the confidence. We work hard every week, but if you don't win, the confidence never go up. Uh, in this moment, uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, the team is uh, amazing, amazing team you now. We made a comment, or Juan made the comment at the end of the broadcast that you were smiling. And we don't always see you smile, but tonight you really seem like you were enjoying the moment. Yes, yeah, so for me, what happened in Orlando is uh, something special. Today, okay, Jacksonville, tough game against a, a very good team. But in Orlando, I saw something that uh, of the beginning of the season I, I never thought because. Uh, I saw a team uh, very compact, uh, with a huge confidence. Play against Kaga, uh, for them, doesn't matter. Uh, they surprised me, because uh, I didn't know we had this quality. For me, I'm very proud of, of uh, my players, and uh, this is uh, just the beginning. Now we have to close uh, everything. That's an incredible compliment to you and your staff to get to this point as early. I mean. Your ascension as a coach from last season to this season has been very, very impressive. I know that you're happy with that. I know it's not the end result because I know you've told me before the season the, the goal is to win a championship. That's what Ricardo was asked of you. You're on track for that. The U.S. Open Cup is part of the mix now. Atlanta's coming in in less than two weeks. I know it's hard to look past the Cosmos, but talk about the significance of the Atlanta game here at home. Uh, for me, the game at home against uh, a team like Atlanta is very important for uh, the honor, for the players, for me, and for the city. I hope for that game uh, a lot of people come to watch the game because uh, 
is an important game. Everybody has to know they come uh, a lot of uh, very important players, Almiron, a lot. And uh, for me, for uh, the job, what we did, uh, the work we did uh, until now, we deserve uh, a beautiful, another beautiful night. After we can win or lose against Atlanta, but what I want for the players because they deserve the atmosphere. The atmosphere has to be something that uh, they need. They need it and they deserve. Can you speculate a little bit more as to what were you surprised with from your team? Like the first touch, moving the ball from side to side, confidence. What exactly were you surprised? No, the, when you play against the Kaga, maybe or uh, something, uh, Rivas, uh, Spector, uh, playing one in England, one at Real Madrid. Uh, maybe you see this guy just in television, TV before, and when you play against them, maybe you have some, uh, you are not scared, but you have uh, maybe more respect than uh, the others. But for them, it doesn't matter. They play like uh, every time with uh, confidence, a uh, huge confidence. Is there any pressure going into the game versus Atlanta, or what's the mentality for the team uh, towards the game? I don't know. Now, we to, after this week, it uh, was uh, very tough. We had to rest. I give uh, two days off uh, to the players. And after, we think about uh, New York, Atlanta, and the rest of the season. 12 games unbeaten now in a row. Michael Hood, a couple weeks ago, said to us that you always say that the team could be better, and that you expect more from them. How much better do you see this quality for this team getting? And are you very impressed as to where they are right now? I don't know where we can arrive, but with every game you can fix something. If we think it's enough and say, okay, this is good, okay, do what you want. No, we have to continue because we we didn't win nothing. We just play for me good football, good results, but now. We have to continue with the same mentality. We have to push the team uh, uh, more. This is uh, when I finish the season, I'm happy. I don't say nothing more. Any last question? Uh, Professor, you have now, your team has seven points ahead, ahead in, in, in the tournament. So this gives you uh, advantage to, to work. And our team confusing about uh, Ariel Martinez that come back uh, after six games and after the game you congratulate him. Well, no, uh, when uh, we are sure to win uh, the first part of the season, maybe we think about uh, other things. We work uh, the same direction, the same. When uh, uh, mathematics, yeah, mathematics. Mathematic, uh, we win the, the league, as part of the league, maybe I change something. But if not, I go straight. Ariel Martinez, after injury, come back. Uh, we had time to uh, for the fitness, for everything. But for me, Martinez is one of the best, and not the best, one of the most important players. Martinez, when the, the game is boring, I put him in, in, on the field. It's something, is a delight when... Uh, Exactly. Good <laughs> English. This is Martinez for me. I understand you want to play more, but for me, for sure, you want to you want to play more. But for me, Martinez, you want to go inside. Look at today. Every time I put him, in, change the game. And those are Nessa's comments 
Um, as you can tell, Nesta, happy man, uh, got some smiling in after the game was over. Um, notably talked about how Ariel Martinez wants to play more, but he views Ariel Martinez as that game changer, that super sub. Um, so that is something to keep an eye on moving forward. So we also were able to get six solid minutes with the voice of the Miami FC, Bruce Silverman. Uh, you can catch him on Facebook at Silverman on Sports. Uh, you can also make sure to catch him on Twitter and on many different broadcasts. But he is your voice of the Miami FC, calling every game on the CW. Um, so I was able to exchange some words and talk about whether the roof is the ceiling or the ceiling is the roof. With his <laughs> ceiling is the roof. Damn it! I messed it up. Not cool. Uh, with Bruce Silverman. So let's get his thoughts here now. So Omar with Magic City Soccer here with the voice of the Miami FC, Bruce Silverman. Bruce, how much higher can the ceiling for this team get, in your opinion? Well, wow. Um, hopefully a lot higher. I mean, look, let's face it, we're playing fantastic. But as Mr. Nesta just said, we haven't won anything yet. Correct. And we have opportunities to win a lot of things. So let's, let's break them down. Number one, we can win the spring season. That's close at hand. Let's hope we continue to do that. Then we can win the fall season. Then we can win the whole damn thing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and win the soccer bowl. But this, the second part of it, and what I think is going to be a lot of fun, how far can we go in the U.S. Open Cup? Because right now we're the kings of Florida, right? We beat South Florida Surf. Then we beat the Rowdies. Then we beat the Lions in the Lions' Den. We've beaten Jacksonville twice. So we can wear the crown of the state of Florida. Can we wear the crown of the United States? <laughs> and we are, what is it, four games away from doing that? Correct. So why can't we go out and win four games? Why can't we wear the crowns at the end of the day and say we're the best team in America? Because right now, 12 games unbeaten, I think right now we are the best team in America. Hottest, hottest streak in North America at the moment. Uh, no team has gone on a run like this in quite some time. With a team like Atlanta United coming down the pipeline, this is a team that's an offensive juggernaut. Has questions in the back line, notably Greg Garza playing at right back uh, for the team. With the three guys at the front, including Almiron, uh, Saad, and uh, Martinez from the Venezuelan National, do they pose a threat to the back line here, almost in the sense that Orlando tried to throw balls over the top, constantly over Rhett and uh, Mason, and at the same time, Miami was prepared for it. They were prepared for the speed of Haji Berry. Is that speed, though, of Atlanta going to be the next step for these guys? Or is that, not, might that pose like an issue for this team moving forward? Well, I mean, certainly it could. But the back line for us showed that they could handle what Orlando was bringing. I'm sure Atlanta is going to watch a lot of film. They're not going to take this game lightly. They're going to come down here. Hopefully, we're going to have a big crowd. Sold out. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, look, this is what I've been saying. There have been years, for years, I've been hearing... My MLS to Miami, MLS to Miami. Well, it's put up or shut up time. If this is what you say you wanted and, and you are hanging your head that MLS is the end-all, be-all, then you know what? Show up. Put 15,000, 20,000 in the building. I don't care if those fans show up and they, vo- and they root for Atlanta. You want to pick a league over your, over your city? That's fine. Go for it. But show up. Now, Atlanta, okay, bring your best game. We're going to bring our best game. Let's duke it out. You know, you're saying their backline suspect? Man, won't it be fun to watch what Enzo and Stefano and Poku can do? Yeah. And if they want to throw balls over the top, great. Because in my opinion, 
we'll just pick them up and bring them the other way. We play station to station. When, when we're on, which we were in Orlando, and we're, we were on tonight, right. I mean, did we send any balls over the top today? No. I don't remember. No, every through ball is to the ground. Absolutely. So I love station to station. You know, Nesta has them playing with at a higher level. LaHood has t- spoken about it all season long. Nesta's asking more of us, and they're, and they're delivering it. You know, tonight, I thought there could be a letdown. So did I. <laughs> and, and, and I thought, well, maybe tonight there would be a different lineup, rest some guys. But this was, this was an opportunity to, to spread out the lead. Now it's seven points. Okay? And we did it. And we did it in form. I mean, four nothing. That's a statement win. Okay, we got a we had a statement win on Wednesday night. This was a statement win tonight. This is the only the second time this club has ever scored four goals. Last year we did it in Minnesota. Tonight we do it at home. Hey, if you're going to get a four goal performance, do it at home. Yeah. <laughs> right. Get a brace out of Enzo Ranella. Get one out of get one out of uh, Stefano, and then for good measure, bring in Martinez from 18 out. Look. You, you, you asked me the question, is there a ceiling? No, there isn't a ceiling. Wouldn't it be great if a second-year club in a quote-unquote second-tier league goes out and not only wins their league but wins the third oldest cup in, in, in the world? That, that's the complete season. Right. You know, and uh, what we played 12 games. 12 league games, yeah. 12 league games, and we have eight wins. Correct. Three draws mm-hmm. and a loss, mm-hmm. and we're three and zero in the U.S. Open Cup, and we've gone twelve without losing. That's pretty good stuff. Pretty good. That's Hard pretty to top. good stuff. <laughs> Nobody's topped it yet. Yep. There you go. And we have an opportunity to keep it going. And this team is so confident. You know, we're in Orlando. There was there was an atmosphere on on the pitch. Yeah. And Miami was so confident, and they were excited to play, and they wanted to play. Yeah. I, in looking back, I think Orlando had fear because they went into that match knowing they're playing a quote-unquote lower division. They can't lose. They lost to a lower division team the year before in the 120th minute. Mm -hmm. Then the guy who put the dagger in their heart, they went out and inserted it left back, (laughs) right? And and we outperformed them. We won 3-1, to but I I think it could have been 8-1. to Right. I mean, we just had so many chances. The net was so big. We, we really took it to them. Um, but that game's over. Tonight's over. New York's the next challenge. And that's the team that we have to better next week, three times in the fall, and probably at some point in the, in the playoffs. playoffs. Right. So let's go ahead and do it. Bruce, thank you so much for your My time. My pleasure, man. It's always fun to talk with Bruce because, you know what, he kind of he has that motivational speaker thing about him where he's just like he gets you riled up and ready to go and 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 those uh you know silky vocal cords of his man you just like all right let's run to the wall let's do this bruce and he's just like whoa whoa, whoa. you could run to the wall i'm not doing that um so um those are all the sounds uh from last week's match we do have a match this weekend this coming weekend on saturday night against the new york cosmos New Yorkers Cosmos come into FIU and they are looking to try to claw their way back up the table here. Um, really important match as it can distance Miami's lead uh, in the table and as we just mentioned, uh, essentially almost pretty much secure uh, the season, if not 
make it a lead of substantial proportions that only Tottenham Hotspurs can choke away. Um, that being said, the game is a 7.30 at FIU. Matt, what do you think about this game? Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, I'm nervous because things have been too good. Um, I'm not used to things being this good for pretty much any team I support ever. I'm used to living on the, the edge of a razor. You know, I'm used to living within uh, inches of disaster. And the fact that this team has been sailing so smoothly, it just gives me more and more concern. But you have to look at this and say the Miami FC have to be favored to win. A- and you have to look at this as this is potentially the night that Miami FC win the spring season. Uh, both mathematically, if the right results come to pass, and, and basically in, in practice, uh, even if they don't clinch, if, if Miami FC can get 10 points up on New York Cosmos with, well, three games to go, they'd be eliminated. And basically you'd be 10 points up, well, you'd, be set, you'd potentially be seven points up on your nearest competition with three games to go where they would have to win out and you would have basically have to lose out uh, for it to happen. It, it basically can render the spring season as an all-but-mathematical certainty, or it can be a mathematical certainty. I think Miami FC are going to be favorited. I think they have a very good shot to win. The Cosmos are the Cosmos, so you can never say anything too confidently, but... Man, it's it's a really good opportunity for Miami FC, a team that has had plenty of good opportunities these last couple of weeks and risen to the occasion, and a team that has more good opportunities coming very shortly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of those situations here where uh, Miami absolutely wants to earn the three points, but as we heard from Nesta, it, it almost seems like he's going to go for it. However, part of me also wonders whether he, there's going to be some front office pushback of like, look, we got three points using guys like Blake Smith, um, so we don't necessarily have to play Casero full 90. You know, we, we were able to get, you know, quality minutes out of Farfang in Orlando and some of the other guys who don't normally play, you know, a, a big stretch of games. Let's kind of ease this roster down just a little bit to save what we have left in the tank five days later from Atlanta. Atlanta, like we talked about, is on a hard set schedule as well, but their roster might be just a little bit bigger than ours. So, um, you know, it's really going to be a dictation to play of, of which game do you want more. Um, we talked about it, you know, last week where we would take one point away from Edmonton if you promised us a win against Orlando. <laughs> and I would take one point away or no points away from the Cosmos if you promised me uh, a win against Atlanta. So that being said, it's going to be uh, a close game. Um, don't be surprised if Miami wins 6-0 and don't be surprised if Miami loses by a goal. Um, uh, nothing will really be certain uh, until we see the starting 11s and kind of get a better picture of what's to happen on that night. Um, remember, guys, tickets are still available for that match. Guys, please come on and support this team. This team um, is on a 12-game unbeaten run. There have only been five MLS teams in the history of MLS because none of the other leagues are really well documented that have a longer unbeaten run at any stretch of time in their existence than this Miami FC team does right now. They are the hottest team in North America, period. Um and no team has gone on a run like this for quite some time. So it's really important to come out and support. It is Superheroes Night, so bring the kids. I don't know if costumes are allowed, so try to leave the costumes at home if you're not too sure. Uh, the giveaway is going to be the Miami FC Mini Soccer Ball. Tickets start at $10 for kids, $15 for adults. Um, you already know the Craft Beer Garden and the Sideline Clubs. We've talked about that previously at many of times. So please, guys, it's really important that we get behind this team and this community because not only is it fun, not only is it a great event, but... 
the guys who you know work their asses off work their asses off on the field uh absolutely deserve it and they deserve the support uh from this community for all that they've done so far yeah it's uh it's a a real opportunity for the team to kind of engage with the fans this is normally the biggest game you'd have on the schedule uh in, in a season playing the cosmos Obviously, there's a bit of a, a mitigating factor coming on Wednesday of next week, but it's a big game uh, for many different reasons. And if you're not out there, um, you better have a good reason because you ought to be out there. Uh, the game is on BN. It's a big game. The National Network's picking it up. It's on the CW locally. But again, if you're able-bodied and, and, and you don't have anything else to do that's rather urgent, you should be out at Ricardo Silva Stadium. Uh, I saw someone call it the Ricky uh, on Twitter, which I loved, pack the Ricky. Um, so that's all I got. Uh, Omar, anything else you have, sir? That's about it. We'll leave the Atlanta game for next week. We'll have a full depth analysis of that match. Um, and we will try to get a pot out for you on Monday so that you can enjoy it prior to the game, um, at the Ricky. So that being said, ticket information will still be coming down the pipeline shortly. Please guys, for those of you that are on the MLS or bus bandwagon, you're getting an MLS team. Bruce mentioned it during the interview. It's time to put up or shut up. If you really want MLS here, you're gonna you're gonna see an MLS quality opponent on the field. Back this team. Show Don Garber uh, your intentions uh, and what you will do should Miami actually get an MLS team granted to them. Um, so it's a big game. It's a big game for Miami FC. It's a big game for Miami soccer. It's a big game for the scope of Miami soccer moving forward. And and anything less than fifteen thousand in attendance that night is uh is gonna be quite a disappointment. Yep. So um here we go. Uh, it's it's getting to be closing time on this spring season. There's so much going on. Like Omar said, we will be back on uh late Monday or Tuesday um to g- get another podcast dropped in advance of the Atlanta game. Um but yeah until then um enjoy the game Saturday um and I'm just blabbering on at this point let's hit the road uh so until next time he's been Omar Mubayed I've been at Mubayed 11 on Twitter No that's all right Sorry. go ahead and say that again that's important at Mubayed 11 on Twitter uh, and I am Matthew Bunch at Matthew S Bunch on Twitter that's Matthew with two T's bunch like a bunch of grapes uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Magic City Soccer. Uh, we're uh, Magic City Soccer on Facebook. Uh, and that's it. Until next time, go Miami FC and go Miami Soccer. Let's do this, boys. Let's do this. <laughs>